0: All right. How you doing tonight? Good to see you. I was watching that and I was realizing I missed the soul patch. That was, <laughs> come on. We had to bring back the soul patch. That was sweet. Hey, uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Andy Steiger. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here. And yes, that was me. Those were my boys. That was my wife in the background. Uh, I miss those days. That was many years ago when my kids were small and I was teaching them how to swim. And I want to talk about that for a moment before we jump into the scripture. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the... Uh, book of Colossians. We've been doing that for the last little while, and we're going to continue into that. Looking forward to doing it. Before we jump in, though, uh, I hear we got truckers that are with us. Are you over here, truckers? Let me hear from you. Nice. We are so glad to have you with us. We're going to hear more uh, about you uh, and what you guys are up to uh, a little bit later. So I showed you that video because it, it a, it's going to have something to say about our passage tonight. But I wanted to talk about this idea of, of seeing God correctly. See, I think that there are a lot of us that when we think about God, we think about God as a God of rules. That God is about laws and he's about rules. And you need to follow God's laws. You need to follow God's rules. And in doing so, and having that mindset of God, we often miss the point. We miss it entirely. See, it's really easy for my kids to have completely missed the point when I gave my kids rules and laws. In fact, there was a lot of times that I gave them many different rules, in particular about swimming. Uh, for example, uh, my wife and I had the rule that they couldn't go to the swimming pool without us. My kids used to hate that. They'd be like, Dad, why, why can't we go to the swimming pool without you? It's like, it's, it's a warm, you know, pool. It's awesome. And we swim in there and we have so much fun. Why can't we go there alone? Uh, another rule was, uh, was, interestingly enough, no peeing in the pool, right? Don't do it. I remember, by the way, uh, one time, this is a true story. One time I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, Tristan, um, uh, Tristan was like, hey dad, I, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, great. Like we're, you know, and, and, and he's heading towards the pool, right? As he's saying this, he's like, uh, and I'm like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, no, I'll just be right back. I'm just going to go use the bathroom. And everybody in the pool like, whoa. whoa!" <laughs> you know, and, and then Tristan's like, what, you, you know, you can't go in there. And it's one of those times there's, listen, there's gonna be times in your life that you got to have like private conversations with your kids, right? Because, yeah, you know, he's, he's like, but I've been doing it all day, dad. <laughs> like, what's the problem? by the way, let me just press pause for a moment here. I got I to gotta say something that I don't think you guys hear enough. Uh, I love being a dad. I love being a husband. Like, honestly, I have done a lot of adventures in my life. I've gotten to go to lots of cool places and do lots of great stuff. But the other day I was talking with my wife, Nancy, and, and I was just saying to her, you know, hon, I think that having kids and being married has honestly been the best, greatest adventure of my life thus far. I have absolutely loved it. And I, I, I just say that to you because I think there's a lot of you don't even believe what I'm saying right now. And too many of you never hear people say that to you. Listen, being married, having kids is amazing. And this has been just part of my joy, getting to teach my kids how to swim. So here's a couple other rules that we had. Uh, You needed to have sunscreen on your body, right, before you go swimming. And you have to wait 15 minutes before you get in the pool. My kids hate that rule. And of all the rules that my kids hated the most about going swimming, particularly William, he was the little guy in the video. William would do the weirdest thing when we would go swimming. Uh, This video didn't quite encapsulate because he did it more when he was even younger. But William would just jump into the pool and then he would sink down to the bottom, and he would just sit there with a smile on his face. And I remember as a parent going, what do you do with that? Like, who does that, first of all? You know, and then I would have to go down there, and I'd pick him up, and I'd bring him up, and every time he'd be upset with me, and be like, Dad, what are you doing? Like, I was having fun down there. I remember one time I was like, maybe I should just leave him. Like, I don't know. Like, I was actually curious as to what would happen. Like, my son had no idea, <clears throat> he had no idea that he couldn't breathe down there. And, you know, and it's so easy, I mean, to honestly, think with me for a moment. Isn't it easy for kids to just get in their minds, man, my, my parents are all about rules. My parents are all about laws. And I've just got to follow these laws and I got to follow these rules because my parents... You know, if I want to be good, and if I want them to love me, and if I want them to care for I you know, i got to just follow their laws. I know that might sound weird, but I think there's a lot of us that that is exactly how we view God. We view God as a God of rules, as a God of laws, and you've got to follow those rules, and you've got to follow those laws if God's going to be happy with you. Let's, I want you to turn with me. We're going to go to the book of Colossians. Uh, Last NYA, is there like a ring going on here? Yeah, is there there any way we can fix that or should I go to a microphone? We're good? Okay. Uh, Last time, uh, Daniel did a great job uh, as we were looking at uh, Colossians chapter two and talking about the gospel, talking about the fact that we have a relationship with God and that God is our heavenly father and that that God uh, is is has made a way for us to be in relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And, and Paul is continuing to talk on this theme about our relationship with God. And, and Paul says this. Now, we just talked about the pool thing, and I'm going to come back to it in a moment, and we're going to develop that. But for the time being, I, well, let's just take a look at Colossians chapter 3. I want to look at verses 1, and we're going to go down to uh, verse 14 uh, slowly. <laughs> This is what Paul says. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, that have a relationship with God, you have been raised with Christ. So then Paul says, therefore, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden With Christ in God. What Paul is saying is those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, when God now sees you, he doesn't see you, he doesn't see your brokenness, he doesn't see your messed up life, he sees Jesus Christ. You are hidden in Christ. When God looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness in you. He says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We have a wonderful hope that is waiting for us. By the way, this might seem kind of weird, but before I was a Christian, I had no intentions of having children. Uh, I, I had no intentions of having kids because I didn't want to fall in love with my kids only to learn that they were just going to be stolen from me in death. And I thought, ah, uh, you know, it's that whole saying, right? It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. I'm like, well, it'd be better never to have loved at all. And, and I even thought about marriage and going, do I really want to get married? You know, to be quite honest with you, this world is a scary place, isn't it? You look at what's going on in the news. You look about the latest shooting in Abbotsford or whatever it might be. And you're like, man, this world's really messed up. This world is really broken, and I have no idea how much time I have here. I, I have no idea how much time I have with my wife. I have no idea how much time I have with my kids. But I can tell you this, when I came a Christian and when I put my faith in Christ, all of a sudden the world looked different to me. All of a sudden I saw a world of brokenness, yes, but I saw a world of hope. I saw a world in which God was still God, in which he still had complete control, and that I could trust him with my life. And I knew that it was better to love. It was better to experience the love of my spouse and the love of my children. And I tell you what, I'm gonna love them to the day that God either takes me or takes them. And nothing is gonna stop me from loving God and loving them because I have a wonderful hope that is in Jesus Christ, amen? That's what we have in Jesus. But, but here's the, the crux. This is what I really want to preach to you tonight. In verse 5, we read, those of you that have a relationship with Jesus, Paul is saying, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, even when I read that, again, we just get this idea, man, God is a God of rules. God is a God of law, and God doesn't want me to be sexually immoral. He doesn't want me to be impure. He doesn't want me to lust. God doesn't want me to greed. And God doesn't want me to have any idols. I think oftentimes we have this idea of God as like a God that has a constant identity crisis going on. It's like, why is God so concerned that I see him correctly? Why is God so concerned that I don't have any other God before him? You know, the Ten Commandments begins with the first three, all about your relationship with God, all about having a correct view of God. Don't take his name in vain. Don't have any other God before him. Don't, uh, don't worship idols. Why is that? Why would God start off these, these Ten Commandments with those three that you would have your view of God correct? And as I've, as I've just been meditating on God's word, you know, over this last year, as I've just been praying and thinking about my own faith, I gotta tell you, man, God has just been having me on this journey lately. I, I, I feel like I'm just constantly falling deeper and deeper in love with God and his word as I seek to understand who he is, because I gotta be honest with you, I am so broken, I'm so messed up that I constantly twist who God is. And I look at the Ten Commandments, and I just am like, man, God has an identity crisis, right? Doesn't want me worshiping anything else. I wants mean, to make sure I see him correctly. And as I've been thinking more and more about that, I've been realizing more and more, man, Andy, you have it all wrong. God is the God of the universe. He doesn't have an identity crisis. God's not worried about him. God is worried about you. God is worried about me. You see, the reality is, is that your view of yourself is directly related to to what you worship. Let me say that again. Your view of yourself and your view of other people is in direct relation to what it is that you are worshiping. What kind of idolatry is going on in your life? What sorts of things are you worshiping? I think a lot of times it's really subtle what we worship, isn't it? Uh, have any of you been, I mean, you can't even not follow what's been going on in the news lately with the Harvey Weinstein uh, fiasco, with the Bill Cosby fiasco, with the hashtag MeToo by the way, we did a, a podcast just this last week. I was interviewing uh, a lady that had hashtagged me too and, and just talking through what's all going on in our culture, a culture that, that exploits women and, ex, and exploits children to the degree that we do. It is, it is just absolutely disgusting, the sexual immorality, the impurity, the lust, the evil desires, and the greed that is going on in our culture. And it's, and it's concerning, isn't it, what people worship and what it does to them and how they use that power against other people to fulfill the desires of their flesh. I was, I was reading the uh, Babylon Bee, uh, which is some good reading these days. They've got a lot of material to work with. And I was reading their satirical, satirical uh, uh, article on this whole Harvey Weinstein thing and this is the, the, this is the topic of the, the title of their article it said morally bankrupt entertainment industry totally baffled as to how culture became so morally bankrupt <laughs> and, then, and this is what it says I gotta read some of this for you it's so good Directors, actors, writers, and producers who have profited off disgusting, repulsive works that would have been unthinkable just a decade ago all voiced their shock at the fact that Weinstein's behavior could go unchecked for so long, in addition to expressing incredulity at the nation's indifference to President Trump's total lack of moral character. One prominent director of reality TV shows said in an interview Friday evening, I just don't understand how reality TV... TV's empty values could possibly have infiltrated our society. This is my personal favorite. Earlier this week, popular rapper Eminem even blasted President Trump for his disgusting ethics and repulsive lack of morals. The explicit hip hop artist stated later that he had no idea why the nation's sense of morality is so far askew. Where did they get this sense of viol- these violent tendencies? he asked later. It's like they just came out of thin air. You can get a sense of the satire going on there. Isn't there there some truth to all that, though? Come on. With what's going on in our media right now and the sorts of movies that are made and the sorts of songs that are sung, and then people are surprised that what they're worshiping is affecting how they're treating people. What they worship and what they put up on a pedestal, that that's affecting how they see themselves. Listen, this is absolutely critical to understand. If you are made in the image of God, as the Bible says, then your view of yourself is in direct proportion to your view of God. The greater your view of God, the greater your view of humanity. The lower your view of God, the lower your view of humanity. It's not surprising then that God wants you to see him correctly. God wants you to see you correctly. God wants you to have a high view of him so that you will have and understand that he has a high view of you. God loves you. Honestly, I, I say that and I think it just goes right past you. No, listen, God loves you like a father loves his children. And God wants your God loves you and wants you to flourish in life. And it's this, this is the reason why God gives you rules and God gives you laws. God isn't a God of rules. In the same way as me as a father, I'm not a God, I'm not a parent of rules. Like if my kids think that my rules about how they're swimming is about me being a dad of rules, they've missed it entirely, haven't they? They don't understand who I am, that I love them. I love them dearly, and I want them to flourish in this life. And because I want their good, I give them rules. Don't go to the pool without me, right? Because I don't want you to drown. Don't hang out at the bottom of the pool. Trust me on this. You can't breathe under there, <laughs> right? But I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, there's a lot of us that, that we just, quite frankly, don't trust God. There's a lot of us that I actually that we we'll, the way that we live and the sorts of things that we worship. We actually don't think that He loves us. We're not sure if He's good, and we question His wisdom. I want you to turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter one. Genesis. Uh, chapter 1, I want to look at, uh, actually I want to look at Genesis chapter 2, and I want to look at verses 16 to begin. This to me, you know, obviously in the Bible, this is the very epicenter of sin. This is the very epicenter of evil. And if we want to understand ourselves, we need to understand what's happening in this passage. It's very instructive. In Genesis, what we understand is that God has created the heavens and the earth and that God has not just created the heavens and the earth, that God has created life. God has created human life and God has created you and I in his image. And as his image bears, and as he loves us and desires our good, he comes to Adam and Eve in verse 16. And we read that the Lord God commanded the the man, he said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And when I read that, it reminds me of again when I was parenting my kids, and they were at that age where they could walk around and get into everything. I had to. I had a, a cupboard that was full of chemicals. It was full of chemicals that had uh, a skull and crossbones on it. Right? There was poison in there. So what did I do? As a good parent. For I told my kids, you can't go in there, right? And I even locked those cupboards. But listen, as a parent, there comes a day where you can't lock your cupboards forever. And I had to unlock them and I had to explain to my kids that these were dangerous and they needed to stay away from them. And they're gonna need to trust me. Adam and God was parenting Adam and Eve. And he was explaining to them, listen, there's a garden here and it's full of good things, but you need to be careful of that right there. God was warning them. And what happens in chapter 3 is the same thing that happens for you and I every time we choose to sin against God. We read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, right? The serpent comes in, dialoguing with this woman and says, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now notice what what the serpent does, right? Takes God's words and begins to twist God's words. What started out as a command to be warned of this is saying, "Could God say don't eat any of the fruit? And the woman said to the serpent... No, no, no. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. This is something that each one of us do. We will twist God's word and we will add to God's word. We will twist God's laws and we will add to God's laws. It was interesting, by the way, when I became a Christian and I gave my life to Christ, uh, I became all about the rules. And in fact, I wanted to follow the rules and I wanted to even have more rules because I wanted to be even a better follower of God because I wanted to love me even more because I did not only just the rules that he had, but I did even more rules. Right. And I became incredibly legalistic. I was an amazing Pharisee. In fact, I was like the high priest of Pharisees for a long time in my life. <laughs> you know why? Because I didn't understand who God is. I didn't understand how he loved me, and I didn't understand what he wanted for my life. And this is what Adam and Eve did. There's a bug up here that really likes me. Okay, (laughs) I just killed it. Here we go. So now we're in verse 4. And and now we read that the serpent now is engaging with, with Eve again. And says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman, which by the way, the man was with her, the Bible tells us, saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she gave some also to her husband who was with her. And they ate it. And they sinned against God. Why? It all started with taking God's laws and twisting them. Maybe, maybe God doesn't want my good. Because why would God have all these laws? And some of these laws just seem un- unrealistic. Maybe God's not quite as wise as I think he is. And at the very end, notice what happened. Maybe, maybe God doesn't actually love me. Maybe God's actually holding out on me. Maybe all these things that are going on, maybe these are actually good. Maybe these would actually be leading to my flourishing and God's trying to keep me from that that really fun stuff. And in the process, they completely misunderstand who God is and what God's seeking to do in their lives. It it is so critical for us to understand that God loves you and that God's love, now follow with me here, God's love comes before God's laws. The Bible, when you read it over and over again, what you will see is a God of love that cares for you and, and, and wants are good. And that God's love always comes before God's laws. God is desiring for your flourishing. But here's the question that you've, you and I have to wrestle with. Do I believe that? Will I trust that he really is a God of love that really does want my good and that he really is wise and understands what's going to lead to you and I are flourishing? I have to tell you that this has completely changed the the way that I understand God and the way that I walk with God in my relationship with him. I I, I just pray over you that you wouldn't make the mistake that I had made for so long thinking that God's just all about these rules. And listen, I think there's a lot of us, this is how we live. We're like, God's about all these rules and I got to follow these if I'm going to make God happy. But listen, I really want to break those ones. So for a little while, I'm going to live sexually immoral because I actually question whether or not God knows what he's talking about here. And I'm going to flirt around in all these things because that looks fun and that looks good. And I don't believe that God's really wise. Now, I'm going to do this for a little while. And then, after a while, then maybe I'll come back to God. See, Paul says this. He says, Listen to those of you again that have put your faith in Jesus and are following him. He says, You used to walk in these ways. You used to walk, I mean, verse seven. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things. And now, Paul increases his list of things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And listen, I think that there's many of you that need to hear this. You need to let the apostle Paul just preach to you right now. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. How many of you are living a life of lies? Listen, we push community here a lot, and I'm telling you right now, you will never experience community until you stop lying to each other, until you actually live as an authentic and real person. Listen, I tell you guys this all the time, but I mean it. When I die, and the day that I have my funeral and people come and think about Andy Steiger... If there was one thing that I want them to celebrate, it's that Andy Steiger obviously loved Jesus, but I want people to say, I knew Andy Steiger. There was no facade, there were no lies. Andy was authentic. He really did live the way that he believed. He didn't put on an act. I think that there's a lot of us that we put on an act and we lie to one another and we pretend that things are different than they actually are. Paul says, listen, Paul's saying to you, you got to stop lying. You got to get honest with people. This is the first thing that I did when I became a Christian. I came up to one of my buddies. He became a Christian with me. And I said to him, his name is Sean. I go, Sean, listen, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I'd never been honest with anyone in my whole life. I'd never told anyone what's going on in here. I'd never been vulnerable to anyone and say, "Hey, Sean, hold me accountable. I want to follow after God. I want to love and trust Him. Would you help me?" I remember uh, I, I, by the way, I had a filthy mouth when I came to Jesus. I did. And I said to Sean I go, "Listen, Sean, I read this verse. This, this verse impacted me. I'm like, "Man, God doesn't want me to have a filthy mouth anymore." Which, by the way, again, it was all about rules, right? I wasn't thinking, "No, God loves you, Andy. And God wants your flourishing, so he's warning you, don't live like this. But at any rate, I'm like, okay, I don't want to curse anymore, right? So I told Sean, I go, Sean, if I curse, man, you need to call me out. And one day we're in the gym together, and we're like pumping iron on the bench, and I said a foul word as I was lifting it up. He slapped me on the bench, and I, he racked this thing, and here he and I are like face-to-face, right? There's all these dudes pumping iron, and you have this guy, did you just say that word, you know, like right in my face? <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. And he's like, you got to get rid of that filthy talk from your mouth. I'm like, I will. You know, these people are watching going, this is crazy. (laughs) Right? I want to follow after him. I want to get my life right. But here's the trick. Here's the thing. Paul's saying, if you're going to get your life right, you need to put on the new self that's being renewed in the image of your creator. You need to get rid of the old self that doesn't believe God loves you and that doesn't believe that God's good and that doesn't believe that God is wise. You need to get rid of that old self and you need to put on a new self that truly does believe that God loves you. Listen, if you truly believe that God loves you, that God is good and that he's wise, then not to follow after him would be idiotic. Not to trust him would be completely illogical and we never live like that. So you know what we do? We'll question one of those three. He doesn't love me. Oh, maybe he's not good. Maybe he's not as wise as I think he is. Listen, there's something that's going on in my life constantly. I'm constantly reaffirming those three in my mind. When I want to act out, when I want to live according to that old person, I go back to those. And I'm like, but Andy, God loves you. He's good. And he knows what's best for you. Are you going to trust him? Like, yes, I want to trust him. See, listen, there's some of you that are like, listen, I'm going to live a sexually immoral life for a while here, and then eventually I'll get my life right. Listen, there's no eventually getting your life right. You and I will always struggle with sexual immorality. You think just because I got married and have kids that I'm not going to struggle with sexual immorality? You're crazy. Of course I am. Of course I'm going to keep questioning God's love, goodness, and wisdom but listen, I've took off that old Andy and that old Andy's not coming back. And I put on the new person in Christ that's being renewed in the image of my creator that made me and that loves me. And I'm constantly coming back to that. Do you trust him, Andy? Then let him lead you because he is going to lead you to a life of flourishing. That's what he wants for you. I think some of us forget that God created sex. God made it. And this, like, he made swimming. He wants you to go swimming. He wants you to experience the good things of this life. He just knows that it's best done in a certain way. Just like I parent my kids. Going swimming is best done like this. Put on the sunscreen. Don't pee in the pool. Don't stay at the bottom. You can't breathe water, right? And listen, when you do those things, man, your life's going to go really well for you. I'm going to say this. I had some other stuff, but I don't got time, so I'm just going to close with this. Uh, when I had my kids, uh, and when they were just little babies, uh, I remember holding them in the pool, and I remember thinking to myself, one day I'm going to take you to the ocean, and we're going to go swimming together, and we're going to experience the, the pleasure of of swimming and I remember being a father and parenting my kids, every day I was thinking there is a day coming where this is going to be so good, where these rules and these laws and these guiding my kids and warning them of these dangers, there's a day coming where they aren't going to have to worry about those rules anymore and they're just going to be able to swim because they, they trust me and they know a life of flourishing here's, here's a picture, by the way, of uh, my boys and my wife and I in Thailand this year We were there in March, and we went snorkeling and swimming everywhere. Here's another picture of my boys. And I got to tell you, it was so good to take them to the ocean and go, boys, swim in the ocean. Why would I do that? Because I love them. Because I want their good. I want them to flourish. I want them to experience the fullness of life. Listen, your heavenly Father loves you. And since you were a baby, he was saying, listen, I want you to experience the fullness of life. I want you to swim in the ocean. But you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to follow my lead. I know what's going to lead to your flourishing, and I know what's going to destroy you. Will you trust me in this? And there's a day coming when our Heavenly Father is going to usher us home, and we are going to experience the ocean. Amen? Listen, as, as we just close here, would you just close your eyes? Would you just meet with the Lord right now? I, I, my prayer for you is that you would stop lying to yourself and you would stop lying to people in your life. My prayer for you is that you would be honest with people and allow them to speak truth into your life. And my prayer for you is that you would start trusting your heavenly father, that you would trust that he loves you, that he really is good. And that your heavenly father wants you to flourish. That will never happen in your life until you start trusting him. As our worship team leads us in in a moment, but first we're going to go into communion. I pray that you would take this time to get your life right with the Lord. And as we see God's son broken for us, that you would be reminded once again of how much he loves you, how good he is and how he will do anything to help get you to a place of flourishing, even if it costs his own life.